When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Football Social Daily Premier League Preview Hello and welcome to the Sports Social Daily the weekend preview edition I'm Ant McGinley and as well as the daily podcast that we do here you can also ask your Amazon Alexa to enable the sports social skill and then you can get daily updates on your favourite Premier League team as well It's an international break so no Premier League action for a week or so. So instead what we're going to do is we're going to look at what's been happening at City in the news on social media today. A lot is happening there. Also, we talk a lot about how much football players get paid. We're going to look a little bit at how much they get fined at Chelsea. And we'll be looking ahead to the next big England game. They're already through, but they have a big international coming up. And to help me do all that, I'm joined by these fine fellows. I have the wonderful Fergal, as always. Hello. Our resident journalist. Uh, we have uh, Richard Johnson, who's joining us from Sporf. Yeah, hello. And we have Steve Shanyaski. Hello. Who doesn't have a... You're going to say local, local comedian, you could say. Who once introduced himself on stage as Kevin. <laughs> <laughs> just singular, like Ronaldo, just, just one name. Well, uh, the, briefly, um, it was 25 years at the Frog and Bucket, and me and my wife, on a Sunday, we'd been on an all-dayer, and we thought, oh, we'll go to the Frog and Bucket... Good, you know, we're old friends at the Frog. I've been gigging there 15 years since I started out. Everything was fine. Um, the headliner was running late and I've been drinking since one. And that's bad. I'm 43. I think I'd been San Miguel involved as well, which three of them is enough to give me a hangover, I think, the next day. So anyway. You or Kevin? Who, who's on the hangover? Well, long, well the, the Kevin thing is something I found out the following day. Long story short. The headliner was running late. It was a big pivotal uh, gig for them, a big show for them as a 25-year show. So they said, Steve, um, will you go on and do 10 minutes? I thought, "Ah, of course I can, no problem. Absolutely full of Dutch courage. To be honest, blind stinking drunk would be one way of putting it. Now, I never drink before I go on stage. Hashtag please drink responsibly. Now, Mr. McGinley, you were there. I went on stage and... From being able to, I could I could nail my act right now. Uh, I couldn't remember a single word. I got the complete yips, as you were describing the golf world. I couldn't I couldn't work out what I was doing, where I was up to. A fly came on stage at one moment, and that was probably got the biggest I, laugh of yeah, the night. I think it outshone you. To <laughs> I be basically died on my backside for, um, and I I'd not even intended to to perform there. Anyway, I found out a few days later there was a reviewer in that night and I read the review and it basically said uh, there was um, an act that must have come through uh, the Academy or some sort of... He'd obviously like won some process to be on that stage at that night and uh, the compare introduced him as uh, Steve, but he said his name was Kevin. So that's so. Am I Kevin tonight or am I Steve? I I'm think you Steve. Should be, I think you should be Kevin. But <laughs> I think- If I die on my backside... 
tonight. I, I, I'll, Kevin. I'll say it's Kevin, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think, so, yeah, long I, story I, I think we should also apologise to the Academy because I've seen some very funny people come out of there. Uh, <laughs> right, let's start with news about City. And for once, it's some uh, some good news coming out of the Etihad today. Fergal, what's been happening about this Shatka Donetsk story? Uh, so you're right in saying that, obviously, it's been a week of negative or at least slightly questionable PR for Manchester City uh, on the back of the Liverpool defeat and the negativity surrounding Raheem Sterling obviously Pep Guardiola has now become a, a living meme I think that uh, meme of him doing twice 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 to Jurgen Klopp and to the Anfield crowd will you know remain in the Twitter sphere between now and all eternity um, but there has been positive news uh, in the last 24 hours which is the story that Manchester City have granted hospitality tickets to 114 City fans now Manchester City, really unfairly, when they went away to Shakhtar Donetsk last month, there was these ridiculous pictures from these Twitter handles that have four followers with titles of like, can't fill your end, where's your fans, you've got no supporters, blah, 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 blah. You know, ignoring the sheer and utter logistics of a six-hour flight from Manchester to Kiev and then a train journey. And, you know, the fact that people have, you know, like jobs and lives and families and, and, you know, alter egos and all sorts of things (laughs) that they need to do Um, and City I think have reacted really positively to this um, by offering those 117 fans that made this massive 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 trip to the Ukraine uh, with hospitality seats for the return leg which is next week at the Etihad Stadium now City there's a there's a lot of thought on this City have not come out with this story so how do we know about it it's been the actual supporters themselves that have, have screenshotted letters that have been sent to their home addresses. Because on the letters it says, don't publish on Twitter. Seriously, <laughs> yeah. don't publish on Twitter. Whatever you do, don't put this on Twitter or Instagram or any social media. Thanks. Even if you get really, really tempted. <laughs> now, we could be you know, suspicious and we could be that way inclined that we say that this is a bit of a publicity stunt. But I, I think in that sense, I don't really think it matters whether it is or whether it isn't. Um, City have recognised the huge effort that these supporters have made by expense, travel, time that it's taken to go to this game by giving them a small amount of reward and and I'm normally one of the more miserable people on the podcast uh, and I think in many other situations you know I'd be calling bluffs here but mm. I actually think this is a, a really really good gesture from City. Uh, Steve your team Man United have had a few long trips this season have you been played on Mars didn't we? <laughs> <laughs> so that's the next leg. <laughs> yeah, so we've had some weird trips of which I've never been. Um, yeah, playing in that Europa League thing is something else. You've got a feel for those fans coming to United because these are these are areas where, you know, play, the players on the pitch are trying to scratch a living together, let alone, you know, the people watching. I mean, some would say just, I mean, I don't want to go over old ground and old jokes, but, you know, for most United fans, some of these legs would be home games. <laughs> well, you know we're having a we're having a pretty bad season, and if no one's admitting to that, if it's, if a United fan isn't admitting to that, then they're you know they're living in a cloud cookie land because we're sat seventh. Sheffield United are, are above us, and we don't look like we're going to shift from that position unless we do something drastic in the transfer window, which is possibly the most exciting thing that's going to happen over the next couple of months for us. To be honest with you, so you're neutral on this because you're a Blackburn fan, aren't you, Richard? Yeah. Um, so what do you, do you think on this? Because obviously, I, I don't know if you noticed this as well, but it came out yesterday, I think maybe Thursday, uh, that Bernardo Silva was fined £50,000 for the Benjamin Mendy tweet. Um, so that's been another bit of PR. Plus, there's also been news coming out about an appeal over the fair play investigation. 
Yeah, maybe they maybe maybe that's where the money from Bernardo Silva's going. Pay for the hospitality. Yeah, they're all upgrading them, you know, for uh, for for sort of what he's uh, what he's having to pay there is fine. I, I think on the on the um, point of of, the, of sort of uh, accommodating those fans, I, I don't know. I'm not really that surprised about it, to be honest. I, I'm surprised it doesn't happen more often. Even. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I think I think that's that's kind of shows where football's at. I think in as well terms the- of like we're like, oh my god, they've rewarded 140 fans for that epic trip across Europe. It kind of says a lot, I think. Yeah, and this is also within the same week as well that Southampton fans gave all their fans scarves and then lost again in front of them. And most of those scarves <laughs> ended up um, being thrown back onto the pitch at the end of the game. Have you ever had anything back from a football club? I mean, famously, the season that they went on to win the, the league, uh, Leicester City fans were all got like beers and pizzas were given to them as well. Uh, have, have you ever experienced anything like that? I remember when I first started going to Blackburn and that was because... Um Basically, the, uh, family friends who used to go every week, they, they had season tickets and, and Blackburn did an offer. It was when, 99, 2000? It was an offer of uh, if you buy a child's season ticket, you get one free. So they decided to bring me. And oh. then, so that was, I had that for two years. Oh, that, was quite, that was quite good, really. I think a lot of clubs do little incentives by that, uh, like that, but I, I was quite surprised by that. I mean, we've seen a few things recently where they, they're offering cheaper tickets for... Again, going back to City Champions yep. League games to encourage people to come during the week uh, and also in the Carabao Cup as well. But I, I think this is a nice thing, but um, do we want to see more of that kind of thing or should it just be an occasional thing so it stays nice? I think, to, to follow on from what Richard's Rich saying, I think context is, is key here. Yes, it is a good thing to do, but what a situation we're in that we've all just demonstrated that we're actually having this conversation of, oh, what a nice thing. You know, We're talking about a, a club that has millions and millions of pounds Obviously, these fans that went away, they didn't look to proactively make any steps for them to go to Ukraine in terms of paying for travel or anything like that. And I think, yes, it is a good deed, but is there ever really such a thing as a selfless good deed, particularly in football, when we're talking about relations with clubs and supporters? And I think there's another line that's come out on the back of this, which is that certain fans said after that game that the players didn't come over and clap them. So I think... A lot of this is geared towards a PR exercise. There's been a lot of negativity floating around. This is a gesture. I think we shouldn't take that away from City by saying it is a good gesture that they've made. But I think Rich is absolutely bang on in the sense of it is mad that we're all kind of standing around and going, what a charitable bunch of people that they're doing this, when really it's a token gesture. We all would like to see it more. But I think there needs to be more recognition from clubs as to the efforts that fans go to whether you're a fan who's had to drive 200 miles on a Friday night, a fan who's had to take a day off work. I think those are the stories that we all relate to more as supporters. And I'd like to see clubs making more of a proactive effort in that sense. I think a lot of it is about the feeling as well that you get. I think, uh, I mean, because these hospitality packages are pretty expensive. For those experiences, they've got, I can't remember what they call it, a city now where you, you the sit t- the, tunnel the tunnel, club. the tunnel club, that's tunnel it. Club. So I think yeah. that's, uh, I think the cost of that for a season, I may be wrong here, but I think the cost of that for a season is about 18 grand. Am I right there? Or maybe that's just for one game. <laughs> no, I think it's Look for you, Mr. Moneybags. <laughs> so I've never done it. Yeah. <laughs> don't intend to. But yeah. It's like 18 grand. I don't know. I've just got it in my pocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I've only had it for a couple of years now. But no. So that just kind of, even that scale, like for, it's not really for a fan. It's mm. for a corporate who can then obviously take staff or use it to wine and dine. So yeah. 
you know, it's not really the hospitality almost these days isn't necessarily for fans. But it is, it is an experience, and it, it's something yeah. that fans don't normally get. Um, how does that compare to what United have done recently with installing a sofa in the stands? With what? Sorry, they've oh, installed yeah. a sofa. A sofa in the stands, <laughs> and so randomly, four tic- four ticket holders to the game will be given the opportunity to sit in sit on the sofa and watch the game, like not in in in, in a room in a box, but they've actually replaced it. I'm not sure. I which... think it's a Marriott hotel. Yes, yeah. I think. Yeah. And so, and so, you get to sit on the sofa Mate, and you get free beer and snacks. There's a guy on my estate who's had a sofa on his lawn for about two years. It's nothing. Does impressive. he offer hospitality packages? <laughs> he offers a lot of anger, to be honest with you. Yeah. <laughs> That's not moved. I think he's the, he's setting up a whole kitchen out there. There's a fridge there now, <laughs> washing machine. I think car with no wheels. It's all happening on his. <laughs> Al <laughs> uh, Fresco, I think he likes to live that guy. Uh, <laughs> That's one way of describing it. Uh, you know, sofa in your front yeah. garden. Yeah. Well, um, so a sofa, I immediately just think hygiene issues and all sorts of things. It's probably it would be amazing, I guess, if you got that. So they just pick someone randomly, do they? Four yeah, if you got a t- ticket, you, you you picked. I'm not sure exactly the process of it. If there's like a spotlight comes down or the big finger like they used to have for the lottery that comes, going, it's you. I would say my dream. I'd seat. like it if it was that. <laughs> well, a big floating finger. I think everyone would be a little bit concerned if a massive floating <laughs> finger came Depends down who into it. <laughs> Uh, um, my mind's just gone racing about a big floating finger now for some reason. But hold that, anyway, hold that thought. Hold that, let's stop that for a sec. Let's stick to the actual thing. I, my favourite seats, I always think at United, are the ones that were just behind the box. There's like a a row of um, there's some fellas in turbans. You always see them every game. There's about three or four, and there's about ten seats just behind the box. They're just normal. Lads watching the game, they look like the best seats. You get to hear what's going on. Yeah. You know, they, they're always shaking the manager's hand and stuff. It's like they're part of the furniture. They're always there. Although, they're uh, the best seats in United then. I mean, sh- shaking the manager's hand isn't necessarily what it used to be after Pep last weekend as well at the end of the Liverpool game. The, the one thing with this sofa, <laughs> the one thing with this sofa at United that I really like, it's not the seat itself, but it's actually got the room in front so you don't bang your knees on the chair. That's the thing that I always find. Ah. You know, when you're in the stands and you sat in the chair, I, I, I always have to sit slightly to the side or, or really like man spread to sit properly so I'm not banging Is there a poof? Is the what? A poof. You know, the thing that you put your feet on. Oh, no, no, no. Don't look at me like that. Like I'm, I'm speaking some vile northern slang. Do, does the, the does thing... your neighbour have a poof on his... <laughs> does he just use the fridge as a double? <laughs> a He's mound. shaving up to get one. Uh, let, let's move uh, from United down south towards the capital. And Chelsea and some interesting uh, uh, social media came out this week with a photograph of the fines that's been installed by Frank Lampard since he came in charge of the club. And it's received a lot of positivity because of the level of fines there. Because we always know people will be fined for certain things. But just an example. Uh, so this is, and you've got Frank's signature on it, signed at the end of August. And it says, Chelsea, first team internal player fines for this season. So if you're late on a match day, uh, that's a fine of £2,500. And uh, they go, what, one that stuck in my mind, late for team meetings, £500 per minute. You'd be skint, Kevin, if that was the case. <laughs> um, I'm never late for work, me. <laughs> uh, interestingly, the biggest fine on there is late for the start of training, £20,000. That's crazy, yeah. isn't it? It's amazing, so, that, isn't it? 
I mean, even like putting that as a yeah. Imagine if you were. I wonder like the the percentage of the average Chelsea player's wage there. Imagine someone docking you that if you were like one. Uh, you know, late for late for work. That's crazy. But then what you're talking about is thresholds there. So that would. That would literally destroy us if someone fined us twenty thousand pounds for yeah. anything. Everyone in this room, even if we all got fined, we had to well, pay. Well, I don't know. I, I don't know. Money bags, Richard over there with his <laughs> yeah. season ticket That's at the one, tunnel club. One tunnel club. Yeah. <laughs> We're all sitting in your neighbour's garden on the sofa. You definitely yeah. can't afford it. Right, well, just to put that in perspective, so I, I had a look into this. So, the top earners at Chelsea at the minute uh, estimate to be in one hundred and fifty grand a week. That's Kante and Kepa, right? Uh, that equates to the average UK salary at the minute. There's different ways you can measure this. But for the average full-time employee, uh, it's uh, between 28 and 30,000 a year. So that would work out at £538 per week. And just to give you perspective, so that 20000 fine for the likes of uh, Kante and Kepa would be the equivalent of um, you or me, not you, Richard Moneybags, uh, <laughs> being, being fined £72. Okay. So to, yeah. that puts it into a bit of perspective. It's, but that's what I'm thinking. Be, it's not idea, that's it? not enough for them, is it really? But it looks to us absolutely astronomical. But if someone was gonna go it's like if you get that's like getting a parking ticket or a parking fine, isn't it? Or a yeah. Ticket. And you know, I don't like getting them too often. Just you go, just pull up your Rolls quid. Royce outside the stadium there. <laughs> yeah. You're like, park yeah, it anywhere. Yeah, Straight in the tunnel. Just drive down the tunnel into the tunnels, Bob. There's, there's Someone what... drives it off the pitch for you. <laughs> if you've not seen this, uh, Fergal, can we can we tweet this out as well? So we can, of course, yeah. yeah. Uh, so if your phone rings during a team meal or meeting, during a meal right, or meeting, that's a £1,000 fine. And again, just to put that in perspective, right, sounds really impressive, but for the likes of us, that would be £3.60. I'd take a call buttons, for that. Absolute uh, buttons. Bring it on. Yeah, More fines. Uh, the, the, other, the other thing that st- stood out for me as well was there's some other rules on there. It says, on a daily basis, the breakfast service is to close one hour prior to training with no exceptions made for food provision before training. So that basically means, like, if your training starts at 9am, right, you've got to be in at, at latest 7.45 to get your breakfast. Yeah? I'm going to lose so much weight if I play for Chelsea because I'm no... I'm going to make that. But it's, it's probably going to be even earlier than that. You've got to let your breakfast go down before you go out and start training. You know what? I think that's I think Could that's a false seven, thing. Could we look at 7, 7.30? I'd have a saurine or something, though. I'd have a saurine. <laughs> yeah. I mean, do, they, do, do you reckon do, that's big in Chelsea, saurine? Well, I mean, well, they want to get onto it because if you're running late, you want a bit of fill, fill a bit of a gap, have a saurine. I think it's not what, the full big one. They got them little ones. I'm no, not. It's not. Not having a big loaf of sorry. Sorry, sorry. Now, little I'm, one. I'm not against. One. I just, I, I'm, I'm looking forward to the sponsorship deal now already. <laughs> Chelsea and Soaring. Mason Mount eating it on the bus on you the way. What, United, United will take whatever they can get at the moment. Sponsors. Chevrolet's going. It's Soaring next. They could actually do a thing with Mason Mount as well. You know, like they did with Lineker and the Crisp, and they had Salt and Lineker. You could have Mason Mount Loaf or Mason Mount. Oh, yeah, there wow. we go. Wow, you could have that one for free. Did Did you? Uh, so, so in my uh, WhatsApp group, uh, football WhatsApp group, when that Chelsea playlist got shared, uh, finalist got shared, a few minutes later, the Berry seventeen eighteen finalist was shared. I don't know if you've seen. This. Oh, this sounds oh, wow. great okay. already. No, 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 we should bear, tease bear this as the final <laughs> part of the show. It sounds that good. Yeah, should I say so, that? so, so <laughs> b- before we go into this, I'm thinking. You know, should the instantly should the fines if the fines have been on the same level as Chelsea, maybe Bury would be in a better position or would still exist. Yeah, and that's that's true. Well, I'll tell you what, I'll read out a couple of fines. You tell me what you think. The, okay, are you going to tell us the amount or the? the oh, let's the, guess the I'll, amount. I'll tell, then. Yeah, you can guess the amount. Okay, so uh, late for training, 
So Chelsea, what was that? That was Chelsea was a thousand pound and then something per minute afterwards. Five hundred pound, five hundred quid a minute late for team meetings. I okay, think it was. so so late for report time for training is two and a half grand for Chelsea for Berry in seventeen eighteen. That is hundred pound tenner two fifty. You're close, son. It's twenty quid. Wow, <laughs> very wow. reasonable. Yeah, late on a match day. So for Chelsea, late on a match day, that, I mean, that was that is... another two and a half grand. Uh, 50 quid. 25 pound. I'm going to go 40. It's 100 quid. Oh, wow. I'll give you the last one here because this is my uh, this is my favourite one. Uh, this didn't appear on... There's a lot of things <laughs> on it, here that didn't appear on Chelsea. I was going to say, is, is this last one? Having your picture taken with Steve Dale. <laughs> 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 Two and a half grand. <laughs> so there is other ones in here such as uh, um, own goals in a match, 10 pounds. Um, what? It's a bit harsh. Yeah, that's wow. It's, it's, does that happen in Premier League clubs? You, yeah. Would you get a chance to, to defend yourself on that? I wonder. Le- leaving <laughs> as bef- a deterrent. Leaving before having goal. lunch is twenty quid. Getting Megs is two pounds. Um, wearing no flip flops five pounds. Wearing other people's flip flops ten pounds. Where, where do you wear flip flops? <laughs> in the showers. They have to wear them in the showers. So don't they? So they don't how get, how is it a great rookers. how yeah. is it a greater crime to wear somebody else's flip flops? More chance you ever rubbed Ruka. another man's rhubarb? You know, we can't do that. <laughs> no. So, uh, you just want to think you just can't do, Fergal. Gonna you know where you're from. <laughs> finish off with uh, with a couple more. No show on the <laughs> no show on the Christmas do 500 pounds. Right. Um, uh, if you <laughs> and then the final one, I'll let you guess the number here. Uh, if you urinate in the shower, you get fined. Guess how much? Oh, 700 pounds. <laughs> I'd say that's big money. Uh, I mean, 500, yeah. Can, can we can we just uh, can we just like have a I mean maybe we can do it anonymously, but just by a show of hands here. Like does anybody here urinate in the shower? Um, okay, so that's a 50-50. Uh, 200 quid and just just for the record obviously because this is an audio only podcast True. myself and Mr Johnson are the non-shower peers correct uh, yeah yeah. Uh, but each day you can invite us round to your house anytime you want uh, we've actually all gone quite high though it's, it's 20 quid so it what? kind of seems worth it maybe it's just to uh, the thing, the thing is teammates. with that surely it's going to cost more in the diagnosis and collecting the urine and testing it and then working out the <laughs> DNA to find out who it was than the actual find CSI Barry yeah. I can see it now <laughs> So you go, I'll, I'll message you that and then you can post that out in the uh, side to the Chelsea one. Yeah, I think, gonna, I think you should be fine more if you do it on step ladders. <laughs> 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 and the lights are off. What, do, do you, your your, your neighbour with his little garden well, he, sofa he, set up, yeah, what's it, what do you think his fine is? He doesn't on? even use the toilet. He's just, <laughs> it just goes in the corner there. Again, the corner of the garden. It? Yeah, he fertilises the roses, he says. Uh, they're, not, they're not roses, they're sort of weeds with flowers on them, but... I think this seems appropriate to uh, uh, move on to a little bit from Jim. And on the left side, while we're on the subject of Chelsea, it was some some other news from Chelsea this week was, of course, uh, Frank Lampard being named manager of the month. Lampard last week won the manager of the month award, a gong that traditionally, rather than a nice bottle of champagne or something, comes hand in hand with a massive losing streak. Something that wasn't going to bother Lampard too much. The Manager of the Month award, I'm just wondering if it kind of confirms to you that you're doing a good job and if you're worried that it's a curse. Um, In terms of the curse, um, I've heard it, I know of it. Um, I I am relatively superstitious and I always was as a player and I've carried it into my management. 
Um, so hopefully the players can go out and prove the curse wrong tomorrow because uh, we want to keep our momentum. The Chelsea boss went on to detail exactly how superstitious he was and how, when his team was on a winning run, he'd always do the same stuff like going to the gym, taking the dog for a walk before work and getting a coffee in the morning. Well, it's hardly filling the water bottles with holy water and buying a black cat for the training ground, isn't it? I don't think that's superstition. I think that's just doing the stuff that you need to do every day. Oh, yeah. I'm dead superstitious, me. Every morning I put my socks on before my shoes. Ooh. Lampard does have a little bit of a history with this kind of thing, though. Even back in his playing days, he had little parts of his routine that he just wouldn't shift. Uh, I'd use the same urinal in the dressing room out of the three. Which urinal was it? At left. Always left. There were three and I was left. I played left side of three in midfield. So I used to queue up for that left one when they were all three. Well, I guess it's a good job he didn't play in the hole then, isn't it? You can understand that if a player does certain things and the results are going their way, well, they might want to continue to do those things and not do other things. I just imagine that the ex-Mrs Lampard wished that not doing other things had also extended to their marriage. Frank, no! How could you? You can find more from On The Left Side in our weekly podcast. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. Thanks to Jim and On The Left Side. Talking about Frank Lampard and his superstitions, I'm going to ask the gentleman with me here today if they've got any footballing, sporting superstitions that they regularly take part in. And I'll give you a bit of time to think about that. And we'll come back in a moment and look ahead to the big England game taking place on Sunday. Football Social Daily, Premier League Preview. Football Social Daily, Premier League Updates. It's the Football Social Daily uh, with myself, Ant McGinley, Richard Johnson of Sporf. We have Fergal Brennan, our very own uh, reporter, sports journalist extraordinaire. And have you changed your name yet again? Local comedian, Steve Shanyaski. Also known as Kevin. <laughs> um, so... I asked you before we took that little break about football superstitions because of uh, what Frank Lampard was asked in his press conference earlier in the week. Uh, any sort of things that you do ahead of a big game? Well, um, does football manager count? Yeah, yeah, of course. Okay, well, always for me, on football manager, if I had a good pre-season, I'd have a terrible season. So that just was something that I always knew. It was maybe not quite a superstition, just something I noticed and I couldn't really put a stop to. So would you deliberately then play a bad team? You know what, actually, yes, I would try and do as badly as possible in pre-season because that was my only hope for having any sort of success. Um, yeah, probably it for me. Okay, all right. What about you guys? Uh, I'm going to go for one from my illustrious, not-so-illustrious playing days. Uh, so up until about five years ago, I, d- I did used to play. Now, now I've given it up for, you know, life. Um, and you got fined heavily for what you did <laughs> for, in the shower we, yeah. on a step ladder. <laughs> weeing in the shower and borrowing someone's sawing. I was holding a sawing at the time. It um, works as a sponge. <laughs> wonder what the fines are for doing it on the sofa at United. Never mind, Karen. Yeah. Or doing it on the sawing. Anyway, so most of the short, I started for a new team and really, really cold game. And prior to that, I was I was only young and I, I used to wear an Under Armour under my shirt, getting ready to go on and put this on. And the, one of the players, seasoned, grizzled character, the usual stuff, screaming at me, why are you wearing this? It's not even that cold. Blah, 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 blah. So I, like, okay, peeled it off. 
had me, my little nipples out. And obviously dead embarrassed. In the first game, this fella's just been screaming at me. Uh, so he went out for the warm-up. And I was like, it's so cold. I'm going to put it on. It's, it's freezing. So I went back in, put it on, put my shirt over it. Just kind of had my arms folded as we were going out for the game. Went out, won the game. Uh, the, the fella came back in at the end of the game. Well played, well played, well played. And he grabbed me, shook my hand. And only then did he realise that I was wearing the Under Armour. And he just went, that must have brought you some luck. Make sure you wear that every game. Not only did I wear it every game, because I'd put it on and then took it off. From then on, for the rest of that season, I would come in, put it on, take it off, and put it back on again, and then put my shirt on. And uh, we came second in the league. So it stood me in good stead. Um, And now I'm always embarrassed about wearing them because I I don't see any issue in them, but I always, always, always remember that moment where I had to peel it off. And I I was there with... My hands over my nipples, just thinking, I'm never going to last at this team. But I this did. is a skin tight Under Armour yeah, yeah, garment. Yeah. They're pretty revealing. They are. They're, well, they're on even more revealing day, when you take it off. You know, on you, a cold day, you're going to have a bit of a sexual nip, nipple action thing going on there as well. I mean, uh, did, that's maybe strong, that was what it? It issue his issue was with me. Do you, have you have you have you, have you, have, you, have you have you applied that to anything else? Like you, like before a big job interview, have you been and taken the shirt and tie off and put it back on again before you've gone in? Um, no, I have been known to do a, a pre-interview in the toilet before, where I've had I've had a chat with myself in the mirror, which is really embarrassing. But I, I have been known to do that a couple of times. But no, no, we, we, no, we, taking we, on and taking we, off again. With your top on or off? You did uh, it. On, you didn't on, pra- yeah. practice interview in the toilet, and the guy's like, <clears throat> "I only asked if you wanted some aftershave." <laughs> when, you're, when, you're, when you're trying to keep it together, trying to keep it together in Costa Coffee. Do you see yourself in five years, mate? Just hopefully not in this toilet, are you? Well, I, well, in fairness, I gave him 50p and he gave me a drumstick and then he, he said he would say no more about it. Uh, but then he kept asking me all these questions. I felt like I was having the interview in the toilet, so I left. Uh, stand-up comics have got loads of superstitions. I can't say about football because I was lucky to ever get on the pitch. I don't think the manager liked me. Maybe because I wasn't that good at football. <laughs> I think about it, really. But as a stand-up comic, I can't have any shrapnel in my pockets. Now, the pen thing's got out of hand. So... There's a, so there's a process before I go on stage, I write it on my hand. There's a, you get a sort of thread in your mind and you sort of try and improvise outside that and if need be, just stick to the script. Either way, you're looking for roots. I am personally looking for roots through what I'm going to do. So I write it out on my hand. And then one time, pen didn't work. So then I thought, well, I better have two pens, you know, in case one doesn't yeah. work. Now it's three pens I've got in my pocket every time I go on stage. It's three pens in case the other pen doesn't work. Right. So like- where does where is this ending up now? I look like Bic Boy. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? In his pocket, he's got what's he got in his pocket there? Yeah, I mean- like an accordion or something. And then three ridges. <laughs> I got one now. There's one there now. There's there's the other one. So there's two. I'm I mean, back to two. Just like, for the record, God. he's not holding up an accordion. Yeah. I'm just thinking as well. <laughs> mouth this... organ. Mouth thing, I mean. Are this harmonica. Harmonica. <laughs> harmonica. Yeah, an accordion in your pocket. Wow. At this a, stage, that's is, a lump, isn't it's it? It's not really a problem because there's only, <laughs> you're only like cooking at three or four. But I can just imagine the, if you're still doing stand-up comedy five, ten years from now, I mean, was it going to stop? Are you going to be like 15, 20, 30? You're going to get to the stage where like it's going to limit your mobility. You know an IT guy, old school, with pens in the... You know, in the top pocket and all that, it's going to be like there's going to be you, that going on. You know what on. it screams to me? Sponsorship. Ah, yeah. Steve three pens. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What about blue pens? Them little ones you get. Chris <laughs> Screwfix have got them now. And all the bookies of. That, that's the least scary mafia hitman name I've ever heard. <laughs> Pen three pens. Yeah. <laughs> it was a cold, dusty morning in Oldham. 
three pens was out. <laughs> um, I'm just thinking as well, the idea of you, you, you talking about before you go and do a stand-up gig and you write down what your thread that you're going to do. I, I, I can't help but think there's a few Premier League footballers that must do that on their hands before they go out kick ball past well it takes us back to Lingard walking around with that sheet and he looked absolutely perplexed did you remember seeing it a couple of games ago what was on there? I, do you know what was that game where the where the uh, rival player stole it one time? Didn't he? That's oh, yeah, just yeah. a great move, isn't it? <laughs> really, that's what bits of pens and paper and and uh, Lingard. I mean, he needs all the help he can get. That lad, to be honest with you, I think uh, he was scribbling stuff out on it. To be honest, colouring in, cha- for him, changing isn't it? changing stuff around. Uh, so, uh, yeah, <laughs> be right. better, Jesse. <laughs> a lot lot has changed for Jesse, and a lot has changed for England because uh, big game tomorrow. Already through to the Euros, thanks to that seven uh, nil game the other night. Southgate saying he's going to announce the youngest ever squad for this game for an England game. Of course, the last game was the thousandth game. What did you think about the uh, having the number under the collar? So for for because uh, they've had so many players play for England, uh, they did special editions of the shirt and whatever number player you were, they'd put that on under the collar. Do you think that's a nice touch or just a yeah. silly little thing? A way to earn more money selling replica shirts. Uh, I think it's a bit of both. Uh, Phil mentioned it on the the podcast on Friday of the whole one thousandth game. You know, you wouldn't know it. No one had really mentioned it. You know, the, the FA in England had worked really hard to keep it under wraps. Uh, it's a nice touch, but again, it, you are right. It will be done for for sell on purposes. Uh, obviously, the players that are involved will be will probably be keeping them, maybe donating them to charity. But you know, we're almost opening the door back to the Man City chat that we had earlier on. Of like, these things are very very minor. We need to be careful not to get too whipped up in. Is it a good thing? Is it a great thing? Well, are we saying? Oh, sorry, we're talking about England's one thousandth game. Yeah, ever. Yeah, ever. That doesn't seem like a lot, does it? Well, they only play, like, some seasons, they would only play, like, maybe five or six games when there's not a, a big tournament on mm. or throughout the year. I suppose. Yeah, and then even in a tournament, like, traditionally, England will play two or three games and then go home. <laughs> 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 but the, the thing is, it wasn't that long ago where you literally just had the numbers and the badge, really. Like, for most of us, it was like, when we got into football, that's all you had on the shirts. And it's changed a lot now, so we've gone to the point where you've got... Uh, now you've got the, on the big games, it writes underneath like Champions League or FA Cup final. It has the date on. The players will have the names maybe on the boots as well. You've got all the little shirt sponsors there. Then having the names and numbers on the back of the shirt, the sponsor, all these things. Are we are we going to start looking like NASCARs on, on, on the <laughs> oh, shirts? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Well, definitely. Like Brazilian football is quite like that, isn't it? It Mexican is. football, you know, they have them everywhere, all the sponsors. I don't know. England... You know, they, they do. I, I sometimes like the nice little touches they put on some shirts. Obviously, we've got the star as well that they sort of like, that, that obviously is integrated into it, that signals that we that we actually won the World Cup. Um, <laughs> Get that one quiet as well, haven't we? Yeah, <laughs> know, yeah. There's people on the pitch. Okay, let's stop it there. And I think that, one, one yeah. nice thing about the Thousands game was some sort of um, putting together, you know, lists of like the greatest ever England players and teams. I think, like, even for me, Learn, learning a little bit more about some of those players that I've heard about but never really seen or knew too much about. It was a bit of an excuse for that. So that was quite cool. Um, but yeah, ultimately, the next game's the 1,001. So, yeah. Do so, you yeah. think it's something we'll see replicated at club football as well? If there's any way of making anything special to, to sell more merch, then definitely. Isn't it? I'm not being cynical, but that's all it's about. Do it already. Isn't it? It's like Leeds this year. It's their 100 and... 
20th or 25th uh, I don't know it's, sorry I'm, I'm not a Leeds fan so apologies no, I th- so it's, it, they've it, made a new crash I think it's I think it's, is it their 100th because they reformed again after uh, okay, the, yeah. yeah and so it's City 125 this year yeah, all that stuff. it is commonplace now you know we've got to we've got to accept it but I don't know I like the nice little touches on a Sunday's game though I know you said they, they, they sort of uh, tomorrow they're planning to field a young team but apparently that if we don't win we might face a, face a tougher draw Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, apparently. So um, there's actually here our, our best and worst possible groups at Euro 2020. We've got the best group, which would be us facing Poland, Finland and Bulgaria. Um, the worst group, the, the obviously group of death, would be Belgium, Portugal and Scotland. You know, just for a minute then, I kind of lost where I was. I and mean, when he was going through those countries, it felt like very Eurovision. I've still got the judges to come through from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just hopefully we won't get null point at this. So yeah, so England have qualified. Obviously, a lot of controversy about Sterling this week and Gomez and all, all that happened there. Uh, it looks likely that Sterling not only going to play, but possibly be named captain. I think this is a, a really, really good opportunity. And, and it's it's an interesting situation because everybody's been falling over themselves to say, no, I'm draw- drawing a line under it. No, I'm drawing a line. Give me that pencil. No, I'm dr-. This could be the opportunity to definitively just say, this case is closed. With regards to England, I fully expect the media to ramp this up for the next game between Liverpool and Manchester City. But I think from an England perspective for Gomez and Sterling playing together, I don't think this was ever really a major story. It was whipped and whipped and whipped and whipped into into what it became. And I think Southgate is going to use this as an opportunity. There's a lot of talk, as you say, of Southgate camp captain in England against Kosovo in what will be Sterling, a very, uh, sorry I beg your pardon well maybe uh, that would ramp the age right up um, <laughs> Sterling captain in the team and, and, a, and a real opportunity to just kind of complete the circle on this of it's done Sterling's back in the team he'll probably play might even get, a, get himself a goal or two Southgate will want this just to be all over I'm, over and done with and everyone goes back to their clubs and gets back to reality I'm, I'm, it- I'm a big fan of that I think that we, we want as many leaders as possible on the pitch and, and Ster- you know Sterling being captain obviously you know sort of makes him a critical part to that but you know whether he'll be captain or not in a few years you know who knows but I think it's a really nice way just to sort of he's dealt with this situation unbelievably well well, Sterling or Southgate? He has, and Sterling. Southgate Sterling. hasn't, I would yeah. say. It's utterly yeah. naive of him in 2019 to think that that's not going to get blown out. If that, if those two have got beef on the um, the Liverpool City game, and then they face each other, and th- I don't know what happened. Only thing I've read is maybe there was something happened in the car park before training or something. And Southgate banished Sterling. Is that is that what I? Yeah, is that how I yeah think for, the first, for the Montenegro yeah. game. I mean, the thing is, deal with it in house. The problem, the pro- yeah, you know, the problem is, is we're in a different world now. It's very difficult to keep things under wraps. It's going to leak out some way, and especially when you're coming up to a game, and, and you'll probably know this better than, than than us, Richard. You're going to have a lot of journalists in and around at that point as well, ahead of the game, especially if well, they're having in, an open training session. Let, you know, let them closer to the to the team. Yeah. yeah, and and so stuff like that comes out, and and people can tell because they build up relationships with the players. Um, I mean, I, I think it does send a mixed message. I mean, I'm, I'm a huge fan of Sterling. Sterling's really won, won me over. Mm. I had question marks over him, even as a City fan, when he came from Liverpool. He just, that first sort of 18 months, wasn't, it wasn't quite there. It was, seemed to be, oh, we just spent a lot of money again on somebody else that looks good on paper, but isn't doing it. And I'm going to hold my hand up. But maybe I wasn't wrong. Maybe I was right at the time. But actually, the journey that he's been on, the development that we've seen of him on the pitch... 
and off the pitch as a as a as a leader, as a captain, and you're completely right there, Richard. I, I think he's going to great, make a great role model. It's brilliant. But I think to say to him, "You're not being selected. I'm dropping you," and then in the next game to go, "You're a captain." That's that's not that's not that's not taking it seriously. Yeah. Yeah. It's a it's, a, it's an unusual approach, um, but I think I think it's one of those where clearly there's enough. You know, Southgate's been so clear about this harmonious team and a harmonious squad, and I think he's 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 been clear in terms of like, listen, this isn't an, an acceptable way to behave. I think Ster, you know, again, Sterling's taken that on board and as well, and has apologised for it. And yeah, as far as he's concerned, it's all it's all cleared up. But ultimately, he's making a statement to the rest of the team. Go, listen, this isn't on. We'll do this for this game, and then we'll all move on. And and I think and I think they will. To be fair, um, you know, I I think it probably works quite well in terms of. You know, he's had a few days off, probably regroup his thoughts, but ultimately he's such a key member of the team. He's going to be such a key member of England squad for next year that, you know, yeah, stick him on the pitch. Have him represent England tomorrow as sort of a, you know, yeah, I've made a mistake, but let's all move on. What will probably happen is he'll start with Joe Joe Gomez will start as well and they'll be all happy as Larry and probably hugging at the end and going, oh my God, I can't believe we won 10-0. I would say with Sterling, he... um... He'll be quite an inspiration to a lot of young players as well. And even players, just the normal people in the street, you know, inspirational. The press narrative against him through some um, journalistic papers was horrific. How he's dealt with that as a human being and gone out on the pitch. Southgate doing this with him, putting on the naughty step and then praising him with the greatest accolade you probably would possibly ever want as an England player must be slightly confusing. But I get... You get understand you understand why he must have had beef with Gomez and clearly probably just had a bit of chest barging in the car park. And you and I would just think, yeah, whatever. You know, you've seen it on Sunday League loads, haven't you? You know, the lads in the pub having a barney with each other, even if you're on the same team. The thing is, with social media, sanity and social media just don't go well together, do they? And everything just gets blown out of proportion. I also think with a lot of... With journalists and stuff, especially when it's international break, they're just desperate for a story that doesn't Anything, even right, exist, yeah. you know? And, you know, we're all stood here today talking about something that probably wasn't that bad. But I would say at the end of it, I hope Sterling looks looks great at the end of it because he deserves it. I'm a United fan, but I'm also, I appreciate him as a human being that's under so much pressure all the time for, uh, you know, even for the colour of his skin, the abuse he gets off uh, journalists and alleged football fans and stuff. He's shown himself to be an absolute, um, a great ambassador for <laughs> going far, for humanity, for sport and for his own team and for his country. So good luck to him. And yeah, he'd be a great captain for that reason, I'd say. What do you think uh, the fine would be for that at Chelsea? What? <laughs> yeah, like for like, you know, like leaving a scar on one of your teammates yeah. in the canteen. <laughs> what would that fine be? Come out. I at? think that definitely, it'd be on page two. I think there'd be a special a special uh, uh, appendix at the bottom for that. Yeah. Well, what were we saying before? Late uh, for training was what? Two, two and a half? Two and a oh, half grand 20. and then £500 per minute afterwards. I think, come on, we've got to raise the bar. Sign- I, 10 grand, maybe a bit more? I think at least 10 grand per scar. Yeah. What about Definitely. Bury? 
they just be let off. The, though, you know, yeah. if they're talking ten pound, twenty pound for your urinating, you'd be let off for very, I think that'd be you, you, you get paid. Yeah, yeah. A claret like a bit. Pay for the taxi to the hospital and we call it even. Uh, yeah. let's, let's, let's draw a line under the Sterling thing. Steve, you got any pens? <laughs> um, yeah, I have many. Three lines. Uh, and, and just just while we're on the subject of England, another hat trick for Harry Kane uh, in, in the game against Kosovo, uh, which brings him up to is he sixth in the all-time scores for England? That's now? correct. Yeah, sixth. Uh, he's got a lot of goals in the time that he's been there. But I had this thought on, on the way to do the show today, and honestly. I, I couldn't think of a crucial game against a big team where Harry Kane has scored from open play. Now, he, yeah. scored, he scored a penalty yeah. against Colombia in the World Cup. The hat-trick he got against Panama. Yep. Uh, he scored two against Tunisia. Didn't score Euro, the last Euros. Didn't score at all apart from being there. Um, he's got a lot of goals and it's great. But I'm wondering if, while that's great, I'm not taking that away from him. He's done far more than I ever would. But if we have ambitions to go to the next level, to the top level, and win a major tournament, you're going to need a player that can score against big teams. I think, I think, like, yeah, I think you're totally right in terms of you know highlighting that, and it's, it's it is a bit crazy. Like when you you know talk it like that, it's like bloody hell, he hasn't come up with the goods. But is that a bit? Is that just representative of us against the big teams? of England against the big teams. You know, is it, is it everyone around him as well that, that's sort of not providing him? Because I think we all know, you know, he's a natural finisher. He's a great striker. I think you know, there's no there's no question about that. So there shouldn't really be an inability for him to score against, you know, some of those bigger teams. I don't know. But then sometimes players just don't, do they? And you can't explain it. My football tactical knowledge probably isn't isn't good enough to understand why that why that would be the case. So... But maybe it's something about the supply around them for those games. You would, you would maybe even think that they would, England would understand that this is an issue, and they would be trying to harvest free kicks and set pieces. Well, he was, like, the, he was on. Well, him. That was the plan. Was the World Cup. Yeah, corners. Yeah, in the Euros. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Oh maybe, my god. Maybe, to be fair, some that, of those balls haven't landed yet. Have they? That, that's true. He wasn't <laughs> even in the box yeah. in, so, in the Euros. Yeah. Although, although maybe in training he was whipping the corner. I like once I scored from from a corner. It was in a park, and they weren't proper. They weren't proper nets up, but it went in. We're definitely having Did that. Did you see Kane's shot? That. Did you see they it? Just spooned it went absolutely it. flying off to I don't know where that was going or what he was thinking. Oh, on there. Thursday. Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Oh my god. I think it's just a, like international football, there's such such thin margins. And I think England, England supporters, the, the media in England, they're the hype up and the hype up and the hype up. But I, I think Ante's right in the sense of you get such a small window to impress at international level, particularly at tournaments. You're talking four or five games. You know, if you're looking on a world level, four or five games every four years, that amount of pressure to say it's these four games or nothing. And I think when we look at Kane, he will grow into these tournaments. I think Euro 2020 and the 2022 World Cup are going to be where it will be decided in terms of where Harry Kane finishes alongside the likes of Charlton, Lineker, Rooney, not just in terms of his numbers, but in terms of his in terms of his performances. And as Ant said, when you look at tournaments, England, generally speaking, haven't had a goal scorer that's been prolific since Lineker, really. Like, mm-hmm. We were looking at the stats from Euro 2016 before we came on air, and the goal scorers were Jolien Lescott, who most of us would say would be lucky to get in an England shirt, Danny Welbeck, uh, Andy Carroll, and, and, and Rooney. So I think, generally speaking, in these tournaments, there's so much pressure to, when that chance comes your way, you need to bury it. 
And I think Kane has shown that he can deal with that, but those margins are so, so thin. And I think Kane will need to step up that level in the next two tournaments because the team around him is going to be getting younger. So there's going to be even more emphasis on him. How he responds to that next summer and the World Cup after will decide where he ends for, for England. Okay, so I know I brought this up, but just hearing you say that back, it sounds ridiculous because you're talking about a guy who scored so many goals the last couple of seasons, golden boot of the World Cup, and you're saying needs to step up his performance. So are we being ridiculous with this question? I, th- I think our expectations of England fans are so high, aren't they? But it relates to, like I say, it relates to the business end of it. It's not, it's not a, a slight against Kane or his record. Yes, he, he, he was top scorer in the, in the World Cup, but players for France, Germany, Spain, Brazil, Argentina, they're judged by, yeah, but did you score in the quarters? Did you score in the semis? Did you score in the final? And, and as Rich said, that's a weight on the other 10 players on the team. Kane can only score in them games if the team gets them there until he's really put in a situation where he's had, I don't know, three back-to-back semi-final performances. You know, let's not forget England reached the semi-finals. It's the first semi-final they've reached since 1996. Yeah. So until he's in those situations, it's difficult to judge. And when he is, only then will we have an idea. But it's the mentality of, you know, England fans are ridiculous, let's be honest. But when it comes down to it, Messi is judged. You look at someone like Messi, we're talking about how hard we might be being on Harry Kane. Lionel Messi, the way he is viewed by Argentina fans, is is incredible. Yeah. Which, when we're talking about arguably the greatest player of all time, and they still have the mentality of, yeah, but what about us? So yeah. I think that that's a, when you look at the way play, players are judged in a completely different framework for international football than they are for their clubs. Wasn't there a crazy stat as well in, in the World Cup last year where something like John Stones had scored more World Cup goals than Lionel Messi, <laughs> Just, yeah. <laughs> particularly during that tournament? It's something like that. Um, I was thinking when you were talking then, there must be a slight sense of bittersweet when you get picked for England because, yes, you it's an incredible thing to be to be able to represent your country, but you instantly know there's a dark side to it straight yeah. away. And the fans are crazy, yeah. absolutely crazy. And you've got the hatred of rival fans just trying to, you know, go for you. And it must it must be a difficult thing to put on that shirt. Do we think that's maybe been played into a, be a part of the fact of James Madison being with three squads and then pulling out of one before he's come and played? Do you think there's been a part of that? Because, I mean, he came on, he was amazing. Mm. And he was, he was truly great. And just to hear people talking about him and comparing him to Gascoigne, I find so exciting. I find so exciting. But he's not got that much better in the last three international yeah. windows. You know, he's, he's been, I mean, he's having a great season. Let's not take that away. We had a great season last year as well. And so it, it, was it something with him psychologically? Maybe he wasn't ready for that. Yeah, I guess it, I, I think obviously Southgate sort of has been a, uh, favoriting Mason Mount but you know maybe maybe he's he's just been playing a good tactic in terms of bringing him in getting used to the environment getting used to yeah the the fans and the press and the media around it because like you say it's a bit of a different beast um because you've got the whole expectation of the country and like there is hardcore England fans mm-hmm. out there so yeah i don't know it would be interesting to know if it's psychological for him or whether it's just Southgate playing a bit of the long game and blooding him in. So he's, he's, he's a wise old fox, though, Southgate, because he was hurt by playing for England, wasn't yeah. he? Massively. And he's always got that in the back of his mind. And he's, in, he's it's been incredible how he's turned all that around. But he must see in players and think, mm, I need to protect you a slightly bit, just from yourself, from being on the pitch. 
and from what the response is if you have a bad game, you know, everyone. Well, you know what the response is? Pizza Hut advert. <laughs> over and over and over again. <laughs> yeah. So that's what I'm thinking. He's, he, he may be just protecting the players. Madison's clearly... Be Madison doing Saurian adverts. Yeah, that's <laughs> you can see it now. Uh, right. So we're going to end today's show with a little quiz about the Euros. So it's over to... Our resident journalist, Fergal. And guys, game face on. Bring your A game because there is chocolate to be won. Yes. So everybody always takes the mickey out of me for my geekish knowledge of international football. And, you know, I can deal with the eye rolls and, and all this type of thing. But now I, I think I can win you over because I've got Kit Kats. Now, these Kit Kats may have been stolen. They may have been paid for. There may be some grey area in between. But if you get these questions controversial right... Controversial Kit Kats. Controversial Kit Kats. And we've had, we've had so much product placement in the show today. Yeah. We've had, we've had <laughs> yeah, Kit Kats, true. we've had Saurine, we've had Accordions, we've had all sorts of stuff. i tell you what, my, the clutch is going on my car. I could do with a new Land Rover. Okay. <laughs> so, it's going to be an England-themed European Championship quiz. So, cast your minds back, gents, uh, to times you know when warmer weather and England doing okay, or not so okay. So, Euro 96, we all remember... We've mentioned him already, Mr. Southgate, missing a penalty and then eating pizza for life. Now, for the first time in the history, England had two penalty shootouts in a major international tournament. The one against Spain, which went well. The one against Germany, as Mr. Southgate will tell you, went very, very badly. But creature of habit, Terry Venables had the same penalty takers for both penalty shootouts. And other than Southgate, they all scored. So the same four players scored penalties in both shootouts. Now, we have to break up the Kit Kats for this. You get a finger per correct answer. Oh, so, Dennis wow. Wise. <laughs> Dennis Wise is wrong. Go. Jeez. New Euro, 90, Euro 96, <laughs> come on. trivia is awful. Um, uh, right. Had Pierce retired by then? Pierce, there's a finger. Boom! For you, right? Well oh, done. You can have a broken finger. Go, 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 go. Stuart Pierce was one. Um, Shearer? Shearer, catch. Excellent. Thank you. Two more. Finger. Two more. Oh, come on. Midfielder, played in Italy, played for Arsenal. Really impeccable haircut. And then another midfielder who's just been mentioned. Gazza. Gazza. Well done. One more. And Thank then the you. midfielder I played in Italy, played for Arsenal. Really, really neat haircut. I'm going to eat this if you don't get this right. Going once, going twice. David Platt. Oh, oh I never would have got that. No well, way. Oh, yeah, of course. Right, played, so I can see it now. I, I have a feeling that Steve is going to end up with more pens than fingers of Kit Kat. <laughs> we're going to end up, we're going to go with full Kit Kats now, moving on. Right, right. Euro 2000. England, horror campaign. They went out in the group stages to Romania. Yep. Romania scored a last minute penalty by Mr. Ion Ganea, whatever happened to him. If he's listening, I apologise. <laughs> Who conceded the penalty famously and was vilified for it. Who conceded the penalty that essentially knocked England out of Euro 2000? Which, which year? Euro 2000. 2000. James. Really? No, no, no. Carlton Palmer. No. Carlton Palmer. He's playing for Manchester United at the time. That's the answer, not Carlton Palmer. <laughs> Defender for Manchester United. Oh, in year 2000. Oh, uh, Steve Bruce. No. No, he never <sighs> Defender, fullback. One of his Hello, Leicester. Gary Neville. No, close. Phil Neville. Phil Neville. Neville. Uh, Neville. Uh, Neville. Right, next. <laughs> Moving on. I've got as many fingers as you've got pens. Euro 2004. Again, penalty, uh, penalty curse strikes once again. England put out by Portugal. This is a tough one, but for the Manchester City gentlemen in the room, which Manchester City player missed a penalty, missed the penalty to knock England out against Portugal for a Kit Kat? 
Shomar Phillips. No. Um, played for Aston Villa and played for Manchester City. Micah Richards. No. Forward. Oh, um, Darius himself. Bingo. Oh. Right, moving on. That Closest was the Winker the game, wasn't current it? Current day. Uh, Euro 2008. Wally with the Broly. Poor old Steve McLaren. Got absolutely nowhere. England didn't qualify. Which two teams qualified from England's group at their expense? Russia. Croatia. Russia for one. Well done. Thank you. Um, Croatia for two. Well, hey. Right. How many you got, Steve? Uh, oh, I'm, my diet's going well. <laughs> <laughs> right. Euro, Euro 2012. Curse of the penalties come round once again. England get knocked out by Italy in the last 16. This time, two missed penalties. Who were the unfortunate people? One of them is still playing in the Premier League. One of them is recently retired. Theo Walcott. No. <sighs> Two Kit Kats. Jamie Carragher. No. 2012. 2012. Mika Richards. No. Two penalties missed against Italy. Rooney. No. Uh, 2012. Skulls. Still no. playing. You're listening to the show of football experts here. <laughs> <laughs> Not. Uh, <laughs> things at home current, guys. <laughs> current, current player is a utility man finds himself at left James back James Milner no finds himself at left back quite a lot Ashley Young Ashley Young oh, wow. and the retired player definitely is a left back and will only Ashley be Cole Ashley Cole wow. right yes. and then for the last one I'm going to set up a shop selling Kit Kats Euro <laughs> 20- this football knowledge <laughs> game Euro 2016 this is not an England one this is just a Euro 2016 question oh. I'll be good at this one for the first time <laughs> in the history of the Euros a player won top goal scorer and player of the tournament. Who was it? Good question. Very good question. Top goal scorer in Euro 2016. Did we mention him before? No. He's not English. All right, okay. Was it Modric? Nope. That was 2018. I mean, my kick. Uh, Ronaldo? I'm away from the microphone. <laughs> nope. But you, you're in the kick. Close. Oh. Close. Same team? Nope. Can I just point out as well? Close to Ronaldo are not in the same team. So. I'm just going to point out to anybody listening that we've actually edited this gap. So <laughs> yes, yes. There's no dead air. It, seems, yeah. it sounds like we're filling it. With okay. Um, played in the final but lost, but then went on to win the World Cup two years later. Benzema? No. Oh, Griezmann. Bingo! Yes! Oh, well and done, the winner man. of Kit Kat Bingo is Mr. Ant McGinley. Yay! Well, gentlemen, thank you very much. Uh, no, in fact, you know what? I'm not going to thank you today. Just in keeping with the topic of the show, uh, I'm going to fine you based on your performance <laughs> oh, oh. and your financial status as well. Uh, so, Fergal, uh, you owe me uh, £3.60. Um, Can I pay in Kit Kats? Uh, Steve, uh, actually, one, two. Yeah, that's about fine. Uh, Steve, 18 quid. <gasps> and uh, Richard Moneybags Johnson, that's 15 grand. Please. <laughs> yes. Very fair, I think. I'll get to it. Hey, my fine. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, it you. (laughs) Having dished out the fines, let me dish out a thank you to you, especially for making it to the end of the show. If you have enjoyed it, please tell your friends and leave us a review wherever you listen. Try and use nice words and five stars. That would be great. Football Social Daily. Premier League Preview. 